Hello, lady. Welcome, gals and geckos. This is Izzy Kestrel. I'm here uh, with my good friend. That's where you say your, your name. <laughs> Amelia Laserwalker. <laughs> uh, and this is Oral Gex, uh, a very professional podcast in which we definitely know what we're doing. Um, we've rehearsed this many times, as you can probably tell. Uh, so today we're going to talk about, um, you guessed it, our favorite lizard, Gex. Uh, Amelia, how are you feeling about Gex today? Gex, Gex the Gecko, he's a great dude. I love him. Yeah. Uh, not so sure about Gex the video game for the 3DO, PlayStation 1, Sega Saturn, and personal computer. Yeah, um, Gex uh, Parentheses series, I'm still, I think, on balance a fan of. Gex Parentheses 1995 video game, I don't think I'm really all that big a fan of, um, as it turns out. So last week we played Graveyard World, which is the first uh, proper like world map thing in Gex. Uh, would they have like five levels, something like that? Yeah, five, including including the boss, including the boss. Uh, and now we are in New Tune Land. Uh, uh, I believe that is New Tune Town. No, no, you are correct. It is New. No, Toon it's Dune Amelia. You can question me if I'm actually messing something up, but make sure you got your facts straight before you before you challenge the number one Gex fan, okay? This does suggest the existence of an old Toon Land. Yeah, so you want to talk about that a little bit? I'm sure we have a lot of meat in those bones. I, I don't think we do. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, so we're going to talk about New Toon Land. But first, uh, Amelia, you want to talk about some previews to a game that is not Gex? Yeah, so so I was chilling on the main menu of the PlayStation 1 build of Gex, open parentheses, 1995, close parentheses. Thank you. And it cut to an FMV trailer for a dodgeball game. And I, it started showing me just minute after minute of video footage for various games by Crystal Dynamics. Uh, do you recall what games by Crystal Dynamics were in the mix? I I unfortunately don't. I'm wondering if I should boot up the game right now and find out. Ooh, that's fun. I wish I wish we had a good way to splice in the audio of this. Oh, we can figure we can figure that out. But that is also a great way to get taken down. Yeah. Oh nope. Oh, that is the tune land, or that is the the jungle land music, which we will discuss later. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while you're pulling that up, um, I do want to mention. Uh, so so I guess I should come clean about my uh my platform switching i have defected from the pc version to the 3do version via the 4do emulator i just can't do the actual password stuff and not have save states or anything absolutely Uh, i'm having such a difficult time with this game that i just am unable to play it as it was intended uh and especially in a version of it that you don't have the luxury of uh even in-game saving uh so when i played the windows version and i got to the boss and i died and i had to restart the game over uh i was like oh that's that's enough for me i'm gonna download the 3do version and and take it from there yeah i'll be honest this is the this is the first time like last week i used save states 
like you would a save system. This week, I started getting into more using save states to prevent myself from having to replay parts of levels when I died. It was just that much of a slog. A little more of a, a save scum uh, situation, right? You might you might say that. Maybe that sounds a little derogatory. No, well, I think it's true, though. That's certainly what I, I was. I was definitely save scum this week. <laughs> All right. So I'm sitting here on the PS1 main menu idling. OK, we're, we're into the game. Riveting. There's a Crystal Dynamics logo. Oh, I should maybe turn this volume off. We can add it in post. So yeah, this this is an, an FMV video ad for a or just an ad for a dodgeball game. There are a bunch of kids and like a bunch of boys in boarding school uniforms and sort of like a stern matron blowing a whistle. Bleeding, brain bruising, and eye grabbing power there is there is sort of voiceover playing. This is going on for a good you know, 10-20 seconds without telling us what the game is or showing us video footage of the actual game itself. Oh, it is 3D Baseball 95. We are now getting we are now getting th- uh, 3D footage of a baseball game that I don't think is what the game looks like in motion. There is a space shooter called Solar Eclipse that is oh. like a like a, a space shooter interspersed with some FMV footage, and then it cuts back to boarding school boys being hit with dodgeballs. We get some Blood Omen Legacy of Kane. And then Gex, it's telling us about this great game called Gex that we can play. Uh, hold, hold on a second. This is a preview in the video game Gex, right? Are there uh, any yes. other games we could play? And then it, it also just faded back to the dodgeball scene where a kid is sort of waking up after having been hit by a ball and falling to the ground. And there was sort of a like transition from the game footage to that that almost suggests that all of these this like game footage clips are happening inside the boy's head. Okay. Okay, so a lot to unpack here. That that really um So this is kind of like a Tommy Westfall like it was a dream the whole time kind of situation where the the canon of Gex and Solar Eclipse and uh, uh, Super Baseball and, and yeah, Super Baseball on <laughs> Baseball ninety five. In the in this kid's reality, none of these games actually ever came out. He just hallucinated them while he was unconscious. Yeah, maybe this kid is Gex in his mind. Oh, that's a lot. To are we dropping f bombs? <laughs> we are now. <laughs> that just hit so hard. I just had to. I, I couldn't help it. Uh, this is even more upsetting with uh, considering my recent discovery. Um, I will not link this in the show notes because it feels it feels wrong to me somehow. But in doing some searching, uh, for I forget what search string I used um, to find to stumble upon this particular website, but I did find uh, someone who had done photography for a couple, uh, and the the man's name is Gex. Um, there is a human man, uh, walking around in the world today. These photos were taken in in 2017. Uh, there's a real human man who, as far as I could tell, his, his real uh, Christian name is Gex. And so, and and so also, so when you sent this to me, I did the math Mm -hmm. and and if it is plausible, if, if he had been born in 1995 and named in response to hit mascot, platformer character Gex, he would do 22 in 2017, which is certainly plausible that that he would be celebrating a baby. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't really know what to do with that information. I just thought the listeners might want to know that there is a, a man out there somewhere and also just like unlock that possibility for you. Like if you're expecting maybe like, I'm not saying you should name your baby because I told you you should name your baby Gex. Uh, you can name the baby Rez or something else too. There are other characters in the Gex universe that also, you know, Uncle Charlie. Charlie's a great name. That's a normal name. No one's going to know that you named your baby after a... a, a off-screen character from the Crystal Dynamics video game Gex. I mean, also, also just to manifest out in the world, if you are named Gex, please write to the show. Questions at oralgex.com. Yes, uh, please, please write in. Uh, if you know someone named Gex, please, uh, we would be happy to, to bring you on the pod, interview you. Uh, we want to know what that whole deal is like. It does remind me of, um, it, it takes me back to the, uh, was it Skyrim that they had a promotion? Uh you had to name your baby Dovahkiin or something like that. Oh yeah, I, I I will take your word for it because I don't remember the specifics, but okay, I remember. I'll, that. I'll put it in the show notes. I know there's a news article out there somewhere, but yeah, I feel like there have been a couple of those over the years. Yeah, my recollection is that uh, if you named your baby uh, Dovahkiin or something after Skyrim came out, uh, you would get access to all Bethesda titles uh, for the rest of your life. Which I've always thought that seems kind of like a raw deal for the baby. I mean, uh, for, for obvious reasons, right? Um, you know, to be named something like that is a little uncommon and probably gets you uh, maybe beat up a little bit in school. Uh, but also, Bethesda almost exclusively makes games that are rated M for mature. And so you, that doesn't really pay off for Dovahkiin, poor Dovahkiin, until they're at least 17 years old. So I don't know. But Gex, on the other hand, is rated 80 for everyone. So yeah, it's just got a little bit of comic mischief, and who doesn't love a little comic mischief growing up? Yeah, so little baby Gex can be playing some Gex uh, immediately. Anyway, that's a bit of, bit of a tangent. Uh, that's new tune all about here. It's okay, uh, new tune. I do. I do also want to mention my my preview uh, experience because the 3DO version does have its own uh dedicated so so amelia just so i'm clear when you start the playstation version um is this an option on the menu or is this like you leave it sit for a little bit there is there's no option on the menu but if you are if you have gotten past the like crystal dynamics logo and the opening cutscene and are sitting on the main menu for maybe five to ten seconds it shows up like an attract screen in an arcade game and there's sort of flashing press start text at the bottom of the screen the entire time gotcha okay um, so in my case on the 3DO, there is actually, uh, when you look at the menu, there is a start option. There is a, a, the options option. And then there is a third option that just says previews. Uh, and when you select previews on 3DO version, you are treated to, uh, what I believe is like, uh, a basketball game. It's like slam and jam 95 or something. Uh, and it's, uh, extremely graphically very interesting, uh, very like weird pseudo 2D, 3D kind of thing going on. I'll post, put a trailer in the show notes. But the interesting thing to me is that when you are watching this trailer that you've selected uh, from the menu, instead of playing Gex 1995 video game, it's about 30 seconds of this gameplay. And then it comes back to the menu. And there's no logos. There's no indication of what this game is. There is no other context except... There's just this this footage. And the only reason that I can tell you that it is Slam and Jab 95 is because on the back of the Gex manual, there's an advertisement for Slam and Jam 95. Of course. So obvious connection. But again, 
as we discussed last week, if you do not read that manual, you are losing a lot of important context for this game. Yeah, deep lore, such as Slam Jam 95. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess let's uh, let's talk about Toontown. Yeah. New Toontown, sorry. No, new, sorry. New Toon Land. New Toon Land. Toontown is the 90s. Give me the, give me the year, Abelia. Uh, nope, not Toontown Online. That's what I was thinking of. You're watching. Oh, okay. Maybe you're right. I, I'm trying to remember what is the. Are you thinking of Toon Toon Stuck? Yes. Yeah. The FMV point and click adventure game Lloyd. starring Christopher Lloyd. Yes, that's Toon Stuck. Yeah, but no. T- yeah, Toon Town is a 2003 Disney MMO, presumably yep. based on Toon Town, which I believe is from Who Who Killed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A movie I watched recently, by the way. I assume it still holds up. I hope it still holds up. I thought it, I, I really like that movie. And also, if I were to make a Gex movie, um, side note, uh, DreamWorks did once uh, plan to make a Gex movie, or at least was in talks of making a Gex movie, but that never materialized. If it did, though, I do imagine it being very uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit-esque. You can tell we really don't want to talk about a new Toon Lens. <laughs> uh, no, that, that, there's just a lot of other interesting Gex facts to talk about that are um, not Gex 1995 video game. <sighs> you know, I, I will start with something positive. Okay. I, I continue to be impressed by the level designers consistently being like every level in this game needs to have its own concept that isn't just like, oh, this level is going to have this specific arrangement of jumps. It is like, no, each level is a is a concept level from like a level design standpoint. And like, that is impressive. Like we had, we had Gex as open world Metroidvania where you climb upwards. We had Gex as here are destructible blocks, hiding pieces of the terrain. We had the whole riding rocket ships level. We have the secret level as a whole light world dark thing. Like to say to say nothing about the quality of these levels, because we will have something to say about that. Like I am consistently impressed at the level designers trying to do so much and, and, and faltering arguably primarily because of the sandbox they're working within. Yes. And it is commendable um, in a way that they don't make games like this anymore. Right. Like that's that's a thing that uh, you, we say a lot, but like really um you know time and budget constraints and like the way that we kind of uh you you build a thing and then you kind of like reuse that thing as much as you can you want to get all the meat off those bones uh and it is really counterintuitive to create uh say um the killer tomatoes in the the graveyard world level uh attack of the killer tomatoes or something like that i don't remember what the name of the level is tomato soup like it's called tomato soup um there are these big tomato enemies that chase after you. That is the only level in which those enemies appear. And like, that's not something you see in a lot of games these days. Yeah. And like, it, it definitely like, there is definitely precedence for that. Thinking about like infamously, like the Kuribo shoe power up in super Mario brothers three mm-hmm. is the coolest power up in the game. And it appears in a single level, <laughs> but like consistently every level in this game has one of these. And like, I'm also just blown away at the level of open worldness. Like it is weird. It is weird that they they're creating these large nonlinear levels, but 
but also because it's 1995 and this doesn't exist and this doesn't really exist in 2D games now even, like they don't know what to do with it. Like it is not a collectathon. Like if they designed this as a 2D game today with the same ethos, every single corner of the world would have a million different collectibles for you to have. And instead, like that just doesn't exist. There are just lots of dead ends to the mazes. So uh, what are we talk about the what are we talk about the mazes? Uh, do we want to start in order, or what? What do we think makes sense? Okay, well we can uh, so we can start with Twin Towers, uh, a level which is is a name for a level. Um, that is the very first level of the Toon World. It's a level. I don't. I don't really think that a. It, it is literally. Um, there are two towers in the level. Um, and that is why it is called Twin Towers, because you jump between two two towers. Um, it's very vertical. I like that. That's interesting. There's a lot of climbing. That's fun. Uh, there's also stuff falling on you, which is not so fun. I I, I kind of like, I was okay with the stuff falling on me, especially compared to like the concept of cool. Here is a Gex level where that is vertical and you are climbing up as the core action. That was cool. Um, what is not cool is the game regularly asking you to jump between climbing on like the back background wall of the game and climbing on like a platform wall, which is a very finicky action that like you will often screw it up in a way that feels like the game failing to recognize your controller inputs rather than you not being dexterous enough. But then when that happens, because this is a long vertical level, you will just fall down to the beginning of the level and you're in a spot where like, great, if I can kill myself and afford the life I will be in a better situation when I respawn than I'm in right now. And that is deeply frustrating. Yeah. And I, I, I will say, I do appreciate that. There's like, uh, you know, there's some signaling for the stuff falling. There's like some like little, yeah. uh, exclamation points pop up and say like, Hey, a thing's going to fall over here. And mercifully they do that like off to the side the first time. So you get a feel for that mechanic before it is like coming right at your head. Uh, because later it is like you're walking up, you're climbing up the thing and it's just like, bam, bam, like just constantly, uh, every which way they just keep throwing stuff at you. And it's like, yeah. Well, and and again, again, that's like in a world where your character moved quickly enough, I think that would be more fun, but it's frustrating because the, like when, at the moment you notice that exclamation point, it is probably too late to move. Not because like, your perceptive and like cognitive and physical skills are like it is it is not that you process it too quickly it is that gex's movement cycles are too slow for the game to allow you to execute that which again to me comes back to the same idea of like cool the level designers did a pretty decent job like scaffolding you into this mechanic they introduce it gently and slowly ramp it up but the mechanic itself was just too unfair and like there was nothing those poor level designers could do to fix that. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think it's um it contrasts a little bit with the graveyard world stuff because I feel like there wasn't a lot of on ramping in that world. I feel like it was kind of just like zero to sixty. Yeah, and Toon Town has a little bit more of a. I, it makes me wonder, like when they were making these level, like when they were making these worlds, if they kind of had a different. I know that the levels. Um, if you go to the level select, which I did. I did use a cheat code. Um, I should look up what the cheat code is because the it, it spells out something with the letters, and it's very funny. Um, uh, I use those cheat codes because I was switching to the 3DO platform, um, 
and I did not want to play all the way through Graveyard World again. I don't think I'm going to find wherever I was referencing that. But, uh, you know, you hold down the right uh, bumper and then you press a bunch of buttons and it's like, um, it spells out like LCD lizard or something. It can't be lizard because there's no Z button on the 3DO controller. Mm. Um, But it's like LCD uh, something. uh, And that was kind of cute. But I did use level select to skip to Toon World because I didn't want, sorry, Toon Land, new Toon Land. It really just sends you there. It doesn't give you like any kind of, um, it doesn't like unlock everything prior to that level. So once you lose, once you lose out of the level, if you don't beat it the first time, I think the TV's not on anymore. So you can't get back into it. Uh... Or maybe you can get into that TV, but you can't go to any other TV. So like if you're in, graveyard world if you go back to graveyard world you're stuck there because you can't go anywhere like it's really messed up yeah um but the point i want to get to is that when you look at the level select screen all the levels are not titled by their um their actual in-game like the names that they pop up when you start the level uh they're all level six level five level four or like tune five tune four and um, the mistake I made when I first did the level select, I'm like, oh, obviously, Tune One's going to be the first Toontown level. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like the fourth one. So I had to go look up on Gex Wiki, which the first one was, which I think it was like Tune Four or something. So it does seem like maybe they designed these out of order. Yeah, which I wonder how that relates also to the design of the world map and that it feels relatively long, non-linear. The rate, like the relationship between where they are geographically located on the map versus the order you play them in. So I feel like there's another level between Twin Towers and Rocket. Yeah. Maybe there yeah. are two levels between them. There was it was the one where you where there are there are lots of blocks that you have to destroy. Oh. That one left no impression on me. I feel I feel <laughs> nothing. It it was it was another one where like I was impressed by how open ended it was trying to be, but like there is an example of like at one point, if you go through one of the like fuzzy TV portals, it drops you in a room where like basically every other square in the grid is one of these destructible blocks and you're dropped in the middle of it. So you can move in four different directions and like dig like you you are dig dug in Gex, but there was nothing there. Like there was like you were trying to find the one exit like you exploring that entire space didn't benefit you at all, which again felt like they were trying to do something interesting, but in 1995 didn't quite have the vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I some I know some of your listeners are younger. They might not remember Dig Dug, uh, but you may know a little game called Minecraft and it does have some major Minecraft vibes, which is like, that's pretty, that's pretty wild, right? The Gex is doing Minecraft in 1995. Are you saying Gex invented Minecraft? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, I don't remember anything about that level. Uh, I remember oh, yeah, the- there, there was also a pretty clever piece of enemy design where like in that, in that world I'm describing that where every other tile is one of those destructible tiles. There were also the like flying super lizard enemies. Oh, um, I, th- I, th- I think they were geckos. I don't remember what they are, but it was it was an enemy that like basically flies in one direction until it hits a wall and then it bounces and flies the other direction, which was actually a pretty interesting dynamic because then like when you first see that enemy, cool, they're in this little tiny like one square area that is not harmful to you. But it means if you are not 
careful about the order in which you are destroying these blocks, you are going to provide a clear path for this gecko to like fly into your face and get all up in your business. Which, again, because the combat in this game is so relatively uninteresting and like lives are so plentiful, like it wasn't actually a huge problem. But it felt like there was something interesting there. Yeah, I um, the thing that stands out to me is the little the little pink boys uh, that I think were in this level. Oh yeah, uh, that they they start out in like kind of a wheel formation. They're all like holding each other's hands and feet, and they're rolling, and then you bounce on them or tail whip them, and they all fall apart. Uh, but then there's like five of them just running around. Yeah, uh, it's which like five little oompa loompas. <laughs> yeah, I think is that. Oh no, we forgot in uh, Twin Towers. There is the um, the the Chippendales chipmunk. I don't remember that. Uh, so there is a a, a stripper chipmunk. I, I think it's. I'm assuming that's what the. I haven't actually looked up the thing's name, but I'm assuming that's what the joke is. Is that it's a Chippendales yeah. chipmunk? Um, and you. Which is it, funny because that is literally the joke that like Chippendale rescue makers re- rescue rangers makes. <laughs> Um, I th- I think that you you he's wearing like a tuxedo and then you tail whip him and then he oh, loses yeah. the tuxedo and he's in the buff. Uh oh yeah yeah that was pretty cute. It's it yes and also notable for being I think the first enemy that takes more than one hit to kill. Yeah yeah like that is definitely a surprise the first time you see him and he's also a jerk who has a ranged attack like spits mm-hmm. acorns at you. Yep I I assumed you threw him. I guess why would he be doing that? Uh, his name is Chippy. Sounds about right. Uh, whether whether this is correct or not, the Gex fandom wiki claims it is not a Chippendales joke as much as it is just explicitly a reference to Chip of Chip and Chip and Dale. Okay. Tomato, tomato. I mean, citation needed as well. <laughs> All right. But um, writing, writing down a question of whom we have Gex's enemy designer on the show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Um... Twin Towers, and then the uh, so, yeah, this, yeah, the block level was called Pow, presumably after not a good name, hmm? Pow Block. I mean, presumably after the blocks that you tail whip and you pow them and they go away. Yeah, so like a like a Pow Block from Mario. Do you think? Oh yeah, that's plausible. Yeah, the uh, the Oompa Loompa like enemies are called Frums, which is Smurf backwards. Oh, that makes sense. I did. I was thinking Smurfs. And yes, the superheroes I was thinking of are called Super Geckos. Sounds about right. Uh, and then is Rocket the next level, or do we have something yeah, else? Yeah, Rocket. Okay. For, for those listening, that is Rocket, two words. Yep. I don't like any of these level names. I think they're all bad, especially especially in this <laughs> world. I think they're terrible. And I hate this level, too. What do you think about this level? Third, there is one thing I really liked about this level, and there is one thing that I don't know how I feel about. So the one I don't know how I feel about is you drop into this level and there is one of the little question mark tutorial things that you can tail up. And like so far they have taught you how to play the game, but it drops you right into this world. And it says the phrase an arrow points down to the desert. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I'm like, am I playing a puzzle game now? Like, are you giving me riddles to solve? At one point, I got really confused because there were a bunch of arrows that did not lead down and were kind of confusing. And then at one point, there was an extremely obvious arrow pointing down that just told you where there is a secret room that gives you the remote to access Knock Knock, the optional level. So I feel like they didn't quite pay off the promise of the idea they were going here of like, this is suddenly a game that has puzzles and mysteries to explore. 
but they were certainly trying for something. <laughs> yeah, so um, the rockets in this level drive me bonkers. Yep. Basic, basically, the whole gimmick in this level is that there are these rockets that shoot out and you can ride on top of them. If you fall off them, they, bless, bless them for doing this thing again where they're kind of like onboarding you into this mechanic. The first area... Um, they do this classic thing where you play a, a game in which you have to like do some platforming, uh, and then you fall down and there's like an easy way for you to walk back and kind of retry the, the segment again. The first rocket, you can do that. It's pretty easy to not fall off. So you probably aren't going to have to do that. But then the next later levels, they have spikes to the ground. And so if you fall off, you're punished or even just a bottomless pit that you're just going to fall into and die immediately. Or eventually it is a bottomless pit that you will fall off and die immediately if you don't catch the next rocket that is also coming and then the next rocket after that. And if you miss any of those jumps in the chain, you will die and have to restart from the latest checkpoint. Yeah. And I, I think that's uh, something to be said about uh, the way that these mechanics work and the way that the, the disadvantage of having a game in which you um, are creating a mechanic for each level individually means that you have to explore the entire curve of difficulty of that mechanic in a single very confined space so uh whereas like say like a mario game or something can introduce a mechanic in one level and then kind of explore it very slowly throughout like a bunch of levels gex you've got your rocket level the level is called rocket um we're going to teach you how to use the rockets and then we are going to hammer this mechanic as hard as we can because we spent time of our limited lives on this planet um, creating this mechanic. So you were going to enjoy it. So we're going to use it every which way we can, which is pretty interesting. But also, like, I don't want to be doing this stuff for this long. That was how I was feeling about it. Yeah. Okay. I will say the one, the one moment that brought me an excessive amount of joy was, so thus far at this point in the level, maybe a third of the way through, you have... The rockets are always moving horizontally and you jump on top of them and they are platforms for you to platform on. And then you encounter a rocket that is shooting straight up. And of course, you have to jump onto the side and climb it using the climbing mechanic that is otherwise part of the game. And that moment of you just like riding a rocket ship upwards was extremely satisfying. You know, I have to wonder if maybe that gives Gex some weird feelings because his dad did die at a rocket explosion. <laughs> Oh, no, I hadn't even thought about that. Is that a little insensitive to make you ride on these rockets? Oh, yeah. But also, again, to your yeah, well, like to your point, that was a thing then that they did exactly once. You ride a rocket going upwards exactly once in this level and then never again, presumably in the entire game. Yeah. Um, also, Gex dies on this rocket explosion many times, at least in my, in my canon. In, in my playthrough, he died many times because, as it turns out, if you climb on that rocket, and you get the bright idea of trying to climb on top of the rocket as shooting upward. Uh, the tip is a hitbox, so the tip will hurt you, and the rockets also explode yeah. and impact. Yeah, to be clear, that is, if, he, if the rocket is moving horizontally, and you are on the underside of the rocket, and you attempt to move towards the front of the rocket to climb on top of the rocket, you getting far enough towards the nose of the rocket triggers a hitbox collision as if the rocket had just crashed into you. Yeah. And if you try to go the other way, like some weird, like it, you don't die if you go around the tail, but some weird jumping physics happens that seem 
I don't know if it's unintentional or if it is an intentional way to avoid you doing something they don't want you to do, but it does not feel particularly designed. Nope. Um, so I will, I will concede that the Gex flying up on the right, as, as much as that may be um, traumatizing for him, it's very fun for us to watch the, the lizard go up on the rocket. Uh, what is not so fun is the rockets that you uh, have to steer. Those are not so good. <laughs> Well, and that was that was like a weird moment of like Chekhov's rocket, where like the second or third rocket you encounter in the level is like most of the rockets have red tails. If they have like blue fins, that means they're one of these controllable ones. Where because they couldn't give you like custom rocket controls, if you move like it's like a scale. So if you move towards the front of the rocket, that pushes the nose of the rocket down, so the rocket moves downwards. If you move towards the tail of the rocket. Like the tail gets pushed downwards, so the nose gets pushed up, so the rocket is moving like upwards into the right. They introduced this to you early on, second or third rocket in the game, and then like eighty to ninety percent of the way through the level, you encounter a difficult section that uses that once. So like they teach it to you, and then you sort of forget about it or wonder, hey, when is this thing ever going to come back? And then it very briefly comes back, and then you're done. Yeah, it comes back in very frustrating. It's fine because it was. <laughs> frustrating bit uh in which you there's an arrow pointing down so they give you some kind of hints right um but you need to push the rocket down to get through a tunnel that is like lower um than the wall is and the wall is like full of spikes or whatever so like you don't make it you don't you're pretty much screwed um but this is a very finicky thing and it is very not fun to try to like balance gex in a way that that makes him get to the place uh, get down to the yeah. right level and then also like the way that the screen is right and your like visibility is very bad so it's hard for you to tell like how low is low enough how when do I need to stop and like not hit the wall and not hit the ceiling and ugh, I hate it I died a lot in yeah and there was also some there was something with like I don't know if physics is the right word but the way the way the rocket steering is implemented. So like after you go down very sharply and avoid the like spiky ceiling, you want to straighten out and just move forward neutrally. But from like, I found it very difficult to move from like crouching to just barely avoid hitting the spikes to moving neutrally as opposed to moving upwards, which would then kill me on the same spikes. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to stop talking about rocket. Cause it's bringing back some bad memories. Uh, one thing I do want to say the um i did note that there are two rocket man quotes from gex in this level and i think that's interesting that they were like pro probably what happened is they were like yeah. hey dana we've got this level where you're on rockets a lot and we really need some meat for these bones uh and he's like i don't know rocket man i guess that's all i got well the other the other the thing that i was going to point out is so one of those quotes is is like him him saying him singing lyrics from from the from the song Rocket Man. Um, the exact quote is, "I want to be a Rocket Man," mm -hmm. but he doesn't sing them. He speaks them in an intonation that is basically identical to William Shatner singing Rocket Man. I don't think it is an Elton John Rocket Man reference. It is a William Shatner singing Elton John's Rocket Man reference, and like Family Guy would eventually like make that more of a pop culture touchstone but that would that would have been a decade later <laughs> yeah gex is truly the family guy of video games oh no i'm just realizing now oh no 
so I have a little joke uh, for you, Amelia, if you'll, you'll humor me. Yeah. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Gex. Gex who? Gex is worst level so far. Knock, knock. I think I think you mean the best level in the game so far, by far. All right. Tell me tell me about why this level is not good. Um okay, so Knock Knock is a bonus level in New Toonland. It there is no reason to to complete it unless you are a masochist or you are doing a Gex podcast and you need content to talk about. Well, or or you are or you are a sophisticated player who who solves their extremely difficult puzzle about the downward arrow to unlock this level and say, well, I enjoyed solving these puzzles. I, I guess I should solve more puzzles. All right. So um, Amelia and I are divided on this issue and we will we will discuss. I I hate this level. I think it's um, really bad. I. <sighs> I feel like so we've we've talked about like Gex kind of doing this open world thing, and I can appreciate that, but also like it is punching above its weight in a way that is very frustrating and is interesting, but like it's just not fun. An open world game works like can you think about like uh like a Metroidvania sort of deal or something that you have a lot of um different passages and doorways and kind of like you're navigating through a space. There there's usually like a map or something, uh, or at least like the screens are um kind of segmented in a way where it's like you enter a screen and it's like a square uh that you can see where the doorways are you can see like where the next entry like way is they're built in a way that is kind of like optimized for exploring and this game is not optimized for these kinds of systems and this level is really really pushing the limits of uh what gex is able to do and how much you can show on the screen at one time and also because the environments are so samey it was really challenging for me to keep my bearings about like where i am in the level and there were times i tried to look up a map for this level because i wanted to know after the fact um if i was right about this or not but there is a part where so for most of the level to to kind of set this up a little bit better Um, it's called knock knock because there are doors everywhere and you open the doors and sometimes they're joke doors, which I did think was pretty funny. Um, there's sometimes you open it and just a brick wall, classic cartoon gag. Sometimes you open it, there's a train coming, you close it. One time I opened it and there was a lady taking a shower, which is pretty wonderful. And, uh, other times you open the doors and there's a staticky portal, kind of like you see in the other levels that normally just pop up, but this time you have to kind of activate them. Um, when you walk through these portals, you will teleport to a, a port. You'll you basically exist in the same world the whole time. Uh, but when you go through the door, uh, it will pop you out at the same location. But now it is nighttime and there's different uh, variations in the level and there's like different obstacles and things like that. Yeah, it's a classic light world, dark world level. Yes. Um, and the whole gimmick is kind of that you're bouncing between these two worlds to try to figure out how to keep pushing further to the right of the level to get to the exit. Um, but you kind of have to bounce back between them. And the other, I will add the other piece of the puzzle that we have seen in other levels is there, there is a mechanic where there is like a, like old timey movie camera object that will show up in the world that if you tail whip it, like that will change some state in the world. Like it will, it will usually like remove a wall that was formerly there. And so the general path is 
in either the light world or the dark world, something like the way will not be open. You will switch to the other world and the path will either be open or there will be one of those movie cameras that will then open the path in the other world. Yeah. So for one thing, this level is just way too goddamn long for me. Um, it, it, yeah. it took a long time to get through it. Uh, it's very frustrating right away. I maybe I came into this level feeling a little um, frustrated coming out of rocket or whatever. And just being like, oh, I have to play another one of these. And at the very beginning of the level, I believe there's like you walk to the right and there's um, a spiky wall. And then there's a spiky like, like, le- like the it's just spiky all the way through basically, right? Because they want you to go up and like do some platforming to get up higher to like go do whatever. Um, I didn't do any of that. I, what I did is I went in with full health bar and I ran, uh, jumped right before the spike started, landed on the spikes, took some damage, kept running jumped up the wall of spikes. Your jump height is just enough to clear that wall, even though you can't climb on it. And then I just kept running and I jumped one more time at the end. And I survived that with one uh, health bar left. Uh, So I skipped a good chunk of the level, I think. And it was still too long. And it was still too long. (laughs) So the the thing that like, the whole thing is just like, it felt like a mess to me. All of it just just was like complicated and like, uh, again, because everything looks so samey, I could never tell like where I was. Um, there is one segment where, um, for the most part, I felt like the doors were always one to one, right? Where I would go through a door, I would come out in night world or dark world, or night world or, or light world. I do feel like there was one point near the end of the level where they broke that rule, yeah. And I would go through a door, and then I would come out at a different place in the level, and that made me so furious. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. Just that that breaking the consistency because the, the if you want to do a maze level like this and you want to to have them again because you have so little bearing with the environments or anything like that any kind of like shaking up of the formula like that really just it took all the wind out of my sails yeah. and and I will say there wasn't as much consistency as I would have liked in that usually if you were affecting the world or jumping between the worlds. Like the area of effect of the of a like flipping a video camera was usually relatively self-contained and relatively close by, except for the few times it wasn't, mm-hmm. and that was deeply frustrating. Yep. Also, then in the night world, there are these um, segments where you have to jump on stars, and yeah, they were just hard to stay on. They were hard to land on. The hitbox is not very good. There was there's this big moon face that you land on. And uh, my dude just kind of like, he's not an enemy, it seems. it's Yeah, his, his hitbox is only in his nose. So it is like a giant half moon that, is, that has like a face and that is like maybe three to four times as large as Gex is. And only his nose is a jumpable hitbox. And if you jump on it too many times or stand on it too long, it falls to the ground. And that platforming section is no longer completable in that life. Yes, Um Unless you go back, you teleport through the door. Oh, you can re-trigger it. Okay, clever. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, yeah, not a fan of this level. I think I did get to the bonus level in this one, which I think maybe is the only time I found the bonus on. Yeah, I didn't find the bonus level at all. Oh, really? Okay. So the bonus bonus stage, uh, as we discussed last time in Graveyard World, uh, there are bonus levels hidden behind these portals in each of the worlds. 
And uh, usually you have to get a couple chances at them. But I think if you complete one successfully, get 100% in it, you get part of a remote that takes you to like the secret Planet X level, um, Planet X world. And in the first graveyard world, it was a thing where you uh, had the Frankenstein monsters kind of like lined up and then you would you would tail whip the skulls that shoot out of the stumps to try to hit them um, like a baseball minigame sort of. But this one was very strange. It was, a, it was a vertical level. You had to collect 30 of these like little silver flies and the walls were covered in what I would describe as the uh, the bouncy goo from Portal 2. Huh. Um, very strange. Uh, inclu- again, talking about mechanics being used once and never used again. I do not believe I did not see this this stuff in any other level in Toonland. But uh, basically, you would go straight up and uh, you would push yourself into the wall and it would just bounce you off of it. And you could basically just bounce back and forth all the way up the the walls. It was very strange, and I did not, I did not do well at it. I think I got like half the flies, but the thing that I did very much appreciate, I think I took a screenshot, so I'll, I'll include that uh, somewhere. Um, if you fail this level, I don't believe because you know we both had our failures in the Frankie hitting level in the graveyard world, but in this one, if you fail the level, uh, it says Gex gets nothing which is very funny so um i did not complete the level i got nothing and uh, i took a screenshot of that because the the phrase is very funny but otherwise you didn't miss a whole lot uh it was not as engaging as the frankie one in my opinion but yeah step back i will i will defend knock knock in that it was frustrating for all of the reasons you have specified but i think part of what i enjoyed about it is it was a relatively enemy free level other than the delightful introduction of enemies who uh the way they attack you is they do like a cartoon like auga their eyes come like shooting out of their their skull towards you which is pretty funny but yeah it is not really an enemy heavy level it got kind of frustrating towards the end with the star jumps but for the most part it was also not a jump heavy level like this was a level that was entirely about exploration. And I found that really interesting, like, especially given, like, I feel like I've been pretty open that I, most of what I have been frustrated at this, with this game is like the movement sandbox and the way that moving through the space and dealing with enemies and dealing with jumping fields. So a level that relied on skills other than engaging with that felt like a really nice change of pace to me. That's fair. Uh, my biggest positive to this level um, is that it was optional and I didn't have to play it. I only did because of this podcast. So um, shout outs to Knock Knock for giving you nothing of value whatsoever for finishing it. Uh, also shout outs to Knock Knock spelled N-O-C, I believe, which is a lovely bar in San Francisco with vibes that are indescribable. Wonderful. It's got like, it's like, what if, what if like Dark Crystal style, like, a 1980s children's film like foam movie set was a bar that sounds pretty good uh, are we gonna talk about fart man or whatever his name is yeah so um i guess we'll round this out by uh talking about the boss uh, my disappointment is massive for this <laughs> boss and i and i'm sorry he is the flatulator 
allegedly also known as Super Fart, but I don't know where that comes from because I don't know if it shows up in game. Yeah, I don't believe it does. Um, so, uh, the, so basically, the Flatulator is a man looks a little bit like Superman, kind of a similar vibe to like the Super Gecko, I guess, just like a you know superhero guy in tights. Um, the level opens where he walks over to this big, big tank of what looks like the slime from Graveyard World and uh, just starts just starts chugging it, chugging it down out of the spout. And he then starts farting and the farts propel him across the screen and uh, Gex has to avoid the man propelled across the screen by his farts. If you were wondering <laughs> what what would happen if Superman farted a lot, this is the game for you. Yeah. Um, so mechanically, um, the boss fight sucks. Uh, there are anvils floating above the level, and whatever he slides to a side of the level, uh, the anvil will fall down over him, which you can't actually hurt him at all in this phase, which is very confusing. There's kind of like a a, a little bit of ex- like a little impact effect that happens when you hit when you hit him with Gex. But it doesn't do anything. It's not clear. I had to look this up in the Gex wiki to actually understand how to beat this boss. Um, and whenever he hits the wall, the anvil falls down uh, and it will hurt you like the anvils do in the other levels. After he does a couple cycles of this, he will start flying and looping around the, the upper part of the screen. And then more anvils will spawn above him. And Gex has to climb up the walls and tail whip the anvils to fall down on top of him. Now... These anvils still hurt Gex in this phase. These are not special anvils. You are not immune to these anvils. You have the same anvils that he was knocking down before. And yet these anvils do not hurt him in the first phase when he is knocking them down himself. They only hurt him when Gex knocks them down, which just feels very bad to me. Yeah. And the and like I think you had you had to knock at least nine anvils on him, or sort of the flow of the encounter is you have a window of time when he goes into flying mode to hit him three times. If you have him three times, he jumps down to the bottom, you get a health restore power up and you do the whole thing again. If you are too slow, it just restarts again anyway without getting those power ups and you are stuck going through the entire cycle again to try to hit him with anvils, which is kind of dissatisfying. And I also struggled a lot figuring out what to do. I think for many reasons, but one particularly frustrating reason is if you want to whip the anvils, you have to get onto the ceiling. There are two walls on the left side and the right side of the of the arena, as you would expect. The one on the right side has the like tank of goo that he drinks from, and you can't actually get onto the ceiling from that side. And so the first couple times I tried it, I always tried climbing up on the right side and said, oh, I can't get onto the ceiling. I guess I'm not supposed to go on the ceiling. But in fact, that is what I had to do. Yep. So mechanically, uh, this one's this one's a, a bummer for me. Uh, was not a fan of it. What I will say is, is both this boss and the previous boss, I think Morphina, her name was, shared properties of, I don't think they were particularly well designed. I don't think they were particularly intuitive. I don't think they were good at communicating that you were succeeding, but they were also faster than the regular levels. And I appreciate them for that, which, which is which is like very much damning them with faint praise, but <laughs> mercifully short. Uh, that is what we will say about uh, the flash later. He, he does not last very long. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Which also ties into a bunch of the Gex's voice lines being kind of fat phobic. Oh, of course. This is not great. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, mechanically not great. Uh, aesthetically, obviously, there there are some problems with this one. 
um, some weird fat phobic stuff happening. The the biggest thing for me that is disappointing is just like you you're in cartoon world and you pick a, a farting guy like there there's like that exists in real life. You can you can walk anywhere. You can like I could go in the other room right now and and probably my husband will fart like that's not a hard thing to find. This is cartoon world. Could you have been a little bit more creative? Could you've had something a little bit more on theme instead of just like, oh, it's a superhero, but he farts. I don't know. I think the, the I think the superhero who is super farty plus has anvils. I don't think it's a good use of theme, but it's on theme. It's. I mean, I, I guess it's also it's a mismatch of tropes. Like, I feel like they're definitely like genres of kids cartoons that over rely on farting as a mode of comedy. That is also very different from Superman as a very serious superhero comic. I see. So it is subversive um, for the 90s is what you're saying. I wasn't even like, I think that is the generous way to interpret it. (laughs) I was thinking of it as thematically incoherent. Like here are a bunch of elements that each individually fit into new tune land, but don't fit in together. Gotcha. Okay. That's a, yep. Generous, I would say as well. So the the last thing, I don't think this is like worthy of, um, a Gex Files uh, stinger. This is not like a segment. Uh, I did not know really about flash the Flatulator until I played this afternoon and and met him the first time. But um, he does give me big Boogerman vibes. Amelia, do you know Boogerman? I do not. Are you familiar? Can you look that up real quick? I should have got like some gameplay footage ready. I'll, I'll put something in the show notes. But a pick and flick adventure for this for the Sega Genesis yes. and then Super NES. Also, we're worth noting, uh, it did come out in 1994. So again, maybe there's some overlap here. But the Boogerman, uh, Boogerman, a pick and flick adventure is a game in which you play as, I believe he is a plumber, an actual plumber, not like a fake one like Mario, who also does like, you know, uh, he's also a doctor, a pharmacist. Uh, this is a real plumber who actually gets down and dirty and gets in those toilets and, you know, does all that stuff. Uh, he also picks his nose and he can like pick his boogers and throw them at people. And he has a superhero uh, alter ego called Boogerman. Um, in which you run around levels and you pick your boogers and you throw them at, I, I think they're called nose goblins. And uh, there's a lot of like collecting plungers and like teleporting by like using toilets, sort of like Mario pipes. Yeah. Here's them where someone is, he's using like noses like Mario pipes. Yep. Yep. Very, um, very, very gross uh, game. I do remember, I recall a couple of years ago, I was driving with my mom somewhere and we were talking, I think maybe I, we were at like a Goodwill or something at some kind of like a uh, store where they had used video games. And I saw Boogerman and I was like, hey, mom, do you remember Boogerman? And she's like, no, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's the game where you're like the plumber and he like picks his nose and stuff like that. And you like go down toilets and she's like, what? When did you play this? I'm like, you bought it for me when I was a kid. And she's like, I, I did what? <laughs> So that was a game that I played it as a child and obviously probably had a, a huge impact on on who I am today. Uh, so thanks for that, mom. But yeah, uh, the, the Flash Leaders kind of feels like a like a budget booger man to me. That's that's my vibe. So yeah. um, I think that'll about do it for uh, Oral Gex this week. Uh, Amelia, do you have any final yeah, thoughts? We, we said we said. We said, well, it's, it's, you know, we went too hard last week. There's no way we're going to do an hour long episode. And here we are. Yep. We certainly did have enough to say uh, about <laughs> new, new tune land after all. 
I believe that next week we're going to switch the format just a little bit. I think that we're going to do the next two worlds uh, in one go because I do think that there are less, there are fewer levels in um, the jungle world coming up next. I believe there's only three levels and then we have uh, Kung Fu Land. And uh, we're just going to kind of do like a a problematic uh, double feature because I... Based on what I've hear, heard of the jungle world music, um, there's almost, and also, uh, I guess I can maybe just read the manual <sighs> uh, blurb real quick here because it's uh, also um, indicative, I think. Uh, this is from the manual. I'm quoting the manual just so everyone's clear. It's not uh, any of my personal words or opinions. Um, jungle world, go native, feel the beat of the bongos, Gex stalks through a malaria factory packed with carnivores and cannibals who like the taste of gecko better than chicken. Moving walls, hidden booby traps, and breakaway bridges. You may have named the dog Andy, but there's a gecko with the same hat. Is that is that a, a Frasier reference? I I don't know what that means. Is that what it, I, th- I think I, I think the dog on Frasier is named I don't Indy. think that's no, Amelia. It's not the dog. Well, well, I mean, I've, Obviously, it's an Indiana Jones reference. Yes. Right? But what what other dog would be named Indy after Indiana Jones? Yeah, I don't remember what the dog's name in Frasier is, but his name is Eddie. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Gex definitely watched Frasier, by the way. I think that's easy to, yeah. to say. That's canon. I also just kind of want to leave with here. We will save this discussion for next week. But one of the one of the audio barks in, in this in this world uh in classic Gex faction is quote unquote, this place is hotter than Tom Arnold's son pants. This place is hotter than Tom Arnold's son of pants. So that'll do it for uh, oral Gex this week. Uh, if you have questions, please email us at questions at oral Uh You can also DM us on Twitter. Uh, our user handle is at oral pod. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week when we play through uh, Jungle World and Kung Fu Land and discuss how problematic they both are. Amelia, have anything else to say? I think I am good. Do you have a Do you have a nice quote to send us off with this week? Uh, my, my inner, inner child, child is coming, coming out, out and, and it hurts. hurts. <laughs>